experience Boom. this year. I love that your bleach blonde wig has dark roots. That is amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. So where are you guys? Where are you guys located? I'm in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Where are you, Chris? I'm Orange County. Orange County, California. Okay. So I want to look the part now. <laughs> I followed him out to Milwaukee years ago. What was that? Sorry, I dropped my head. I just said I, I ended up in Milwaukee because I followed you here from Boston. Right. We're both living in the Boston area. Um, but we're from D.C. originally. and Oh, wow. Military brats. I lived in the Philippines as kids. Lived all over the South, you know. So we've been around, but somehow I ended up in fucking Milwaukee of all places. <laughs> my dad lived in the all Philippines. All roads lead to Milwaukee. Oh, yeah? Like yeah. as a retiree or? Yeah, yeah. He married a Filipino woman and they lived in, um, oh, heck, I can't remember the town. They were in Bacalor for a while, but then it got destroyed by the Pinatubo. Well, yep, we, yeah, left. we left right before he, that. It happened like two months or something he, before that, I think. Then he bought a house in a gated community in Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's, That's where, where we were. We were yeah. I was just back there like in January okay. for the first time in 30 years. Awesome. I visited him there twice, but not okay. not lately. He he died probably seven uh, years ago now. Well, but longer than that, before I, we met. Oh yeah, it was more than that. We've been together ten. Yikes, probably twelve years ago then. Anyway. You know Tito James? <laughs> Tito, Tito James. James rings a bell, but <laughs> that's that's what her dad was called when he would live in the Philippines. I am oh, oh you're asking if we knew someone that uh, like the legend. I am, oh yeah. I am a hundred percent convinced. Her dad was NSA, CIA, because he worked for like construction in Illinois. And all of a sudden, he's working on computers in Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, uh, mm, oh, come on. Interesting. <laughs> we know the story here. Yeah. When we went to visit him in the Philippines, he took us to um, the president's mansion. Yeah, we yeah, visited we that too. Yeah. Marcos's. Yeah. See the, the shoe collection. Did you see a Melda's oh. shoe collection too? Oh, I have that in the basement. And then, <laughs> and then we went. Um, we went to a national park there, and it was all closed up. We drove for hours to get to this national park, oh, no. and there were gates across the, the hmm. thing. And this guy comes out and goes, "Tito James," and opens up the gate and let us <laughs> oh, in. Oh shit! So we were the only people <laughs> in the whole freaking national park that day. Just saying, it was pretty cool. But, Tito yeah. James. We have to ask our stepdad name. if he knows if he heard, had ever heard of. The... I think we got our new pseudonym, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Cactus Jack, a Tito James film. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, this episode, this is a hard out my favorite movie episode we're doing now with Doug Johnson and Brett Saladino. We just did a Fast Friends, our first Fast Friends episode with them, where we reach out to and try and talk to all of my 800 plus Facebook friends. (laughs) So the journey has begun. You guys kicked it off, set the bar way high. We feel when when you said you were the, we were the first ones you reached out to. We were both very, very moved by that. Yeah. Like I said, we we love your posts. We love your brain. We, we truly love how your brain works. And it's like, (laughs) you you, you see Facebook friends, you you friend them up and you see their posts. Yeah. And then there's you. And we're like, <laughs> Thanks, yeah, we we got to get together with this guy and like yeah. have a couple of beers and sit around and solve all the world's problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris so is we, not very active on social media, but he's just as much, if not more so, someone you would probably want to talk to, have a beer with. Hard to yeah, I don't know what it is about though. me. I just it, it, I'm not compelled at all to get on and type 
my thoughts or anything for some reason on, on particularly <laughs> social media. It just doesn't, it's partly because I just don't want, it's a Pandora's box to me. Like I yep. just don't want to yep. in, introduce that and then get consumed somewhat by it and everything. I don't know, but it's yeah. just not my nature. I think that's the primary thing. My free will. Just, <laughs> I have no free will. Right. That's it's chaos and entropy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're here today to discuss your two favorite films. This is another segment or whatever you want to go off offshoot right. of our hard out show to discuss the favorite films of our guests. And we're doing both of yours today. So you want to tell us what your favorite films are? Sorry, where's the beer? Let's go back to the microphone. Um, well, I'll start. Uh, my favorite film is Parenthood by um, with Ron Howard as the director. Steve Martin as the star. I think it came out in 79. No. No, it's 89, like, yeah, 89. Yeah. Um, and uh, it has been my favorite film since the first time I saw it. It is the only film that I can think of that makes me laugh and cry. And I've probably seen it 50 times and it still makes me laugh and cry. And it's amazing. Such an incredible sense of community and hope and family. Uh, I just absolutely adore it. I rewatched it. A few days ago, hadn't seen it shit since the early nineties. Probably, <laughs> it's great. It yeah. really is great. It's all the things you say, and the cast is stacked. Oh my yes. god, it's you amazing! It's Steve Martin, it's Diane Weist, it's fucking National Treasure, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix as Lee Phoenix, and Mary Steenbarton, and Tom. Martin's a National Treasure as well, yes. of course. Yeah. What is his first name? Hulse. Tom. Tom, Tom Hulse. Wolfgang uh, Amadeus. And. and yes. And Rick Moranis, and Rick I mean, it's... Did you see some asshole punched Rick Moranis, like sucker punched him? Yeah, at an airport or some shit. No, he was just on the street near No, the there's someone who needs a death penalty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Right. You gotta watch our previous episode, people. It was a fucking firecracker, and we got into all that shit, Free Will, which I think we'll touch on again with your favorite movie, Doug, which is... Bruce Almighty. Yeah, you know, I Bruce think about Almighty. that a lot. Because I watch... <laughs> How do you I feel it. being hooked up with someone whose favorite movie is Bruce Almighty? <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we were wondering if he subjected you to it all the time. I, I sit next to him and I watch it. And Dude, it makes me so happy, though, that you guys both have these. Uh, like yes. We are film guys. We are filmmakers, screenwriters. A lot of our guests in this series will be pro screenwriters and filmmakers that we know. And we're going to get a lot of Criterion collection type films and you know, just these are just oh, yeah. two down home, real oh. folks fucking movie picks, and I yeah. love that. Parenthood, yes. no one else is going to pick that. I guarantee you, <laughs> your movie. I know we're all like, you know, and Bruce Almighty, and Godfather, and shit like that. And Bruce I, Almighty I, is arguably like the forty-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, it's arguably like the tenth best Jim Carrey yeah. movie or something. So, okay, far, so your favorite is profoundly awesome to me. You know, that means that you have to have some yes. connection to so, it, yes. what we're really looking for. I'm a movie nut. I, I, you can ask Brett. I watch probably in an average week. I probably watch seven movies, maybe nice. ten. Maybe um, ten. I have That's done. How it was before I had a kid and started making movies. <laughs> now I don't have time to fucking watch them anymore. Which is part of the reason we started this too. That I mean, would watch your films. You know, I watched all Friday Thirteenth films in a weekend. I watch all the Freddy That's films amazing. in a weekend. Um, I remember going to Nord Video down the street from home, and I'd go there on Friday. And I'd pick up like seven, and then I'd go back on Saturday to get more. Yes, man, it's my heart. That's how it was for years. And they're like, they're like, I'd walk through there and go, "Crap, I've seen all the ones I want to watch uh-huh. all the way to." You know, so yeah, I, there were I times mean, 
there were times where Jay and I had seen every movie on the marquee at the theaters and stuff, and Often. and yeah, yeah just yeah. Yeah. constantly. So what I think about, but, you know, when you ask if, what's your favorite film, I mean, two thousand one, mm-hmm. bloody fantastic Master film. I, I, I saw it on the on the Navy Pier in seventy millimeter director's cut. Fuck yes! Nice. I mean, it was phenomenal. Glorious. You know, and are there better movies than Bruce Almighty? Yeah, <laughs> easily. And undoubtedly, like there's like ten Jim Carrey movies that are better. Yeah, but so <laughs> when when I saw Bruce Almighty in the theater, I was there with my sisters and my nephew John. So my nephew John uh, committed suicide three years ago, January. Um, so there's a lot of really personal attachment to that film because we're sitting in a theater and two of us are on the floor not looking at the screen anymore because so you've seen the movie you know and i try not to think about the scene because if i think about it i'll just laugh till i cry um you know when he's doing the new when steve Krell's doing newscasting (laughs) my nipples yeah yeah (laughs) my nipples yeah exactly so that movie has there's that that's such a personal attachment to that film because of who I saw it with the first time. Yes. But then that movie is all about, there's a guy who's, who's lost and he, he can't figure out his way through life and he's just given up on everything. And then, you know, God taps him on the shoulder and says, look, you tried this shit, you know? And he's like, oh, this is really hard. Maybe I should just figure out how to be happy. And then he figures out just to be himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, that that's what we all do. I mean, that's, it's That's why I love the movie so much. It's, it's, <laughs> you know. It's, well, apropos to our previous discussion where free will <laughs> and ego played a large role. It's your solipsism, right? That <laughs> the movie is effectively about you. Hence, it's your favorite. <laughs> exactly. But no, <laughs> yes. Assuming free will exists. Um, it's about a guy figuring out that what he needs to be happy is just to relax and yes. enjoy his life and understand that what he has is, is enough. Yeah. And so many of us, you know, the, the whole ego thing, we all want, want is a yeah. terrible word. Cause he's you know, not want, just, want, need, need, need. he's striving for something. He has this ambition. He wants to be the anchor, the nighttime anchor that Steve Carell is yeah. the news anchor, you know, but he's out sent on fluff pieces and shit. Oh, and then he's then he's on the mist, and he thinks he's gonna get it, <laughs> right? Which is funny Chris because once you get the powers of God, like I'd kind of give up that ambition of being the you know anchor guy, or whatever, and go right. like, like <laughs> why is that still your priority? Of course, exactly. You know, it's for the purposes of the movie; it's not meant to be taken. But, well, it is though. It's like he had that that one track mind. That's his flaw. Yes, right. right. That yeah. even when he gets the powers of God, instead of fixing homelessness and child disease and shit, all this, he's still trying to fuck with Evan, the newscaster. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's like just such an abuse of power or a yeah, yeah, exactly allocation of power. You know, except and for the it's car. all driven the by his ego. You know. So your your choice of this as a favorite film is is not just like the film itself but the meaning to you obviously the uh the context of which yeah, you watched it, the people you were with and all yep. those other things yeah it's very much the whole you know what how much i enjoy the film and the people i saw with the first time and how much i enjoy watching it probably that dodgeball and indiana jones are probably the movies I've well nice. and 500 days of summer are probably the movies i've watched the most 
So, uh, but that movie, yeah, there's just that. And yeah, it's just such, you know, the energy, just yeah, the, the laughs. Um, would it be your desert island movie? So trite and, yeah, if you were stuck on a desert island, would be this? Would this be the movie you bring? Yeah, because because that's a movie I can literally watch at any time. I could throw it in and watch mm-hmm. it and be done watching it and be completely happy and satisfied. Yeah. Anytime I watch that movie. And Brad, I think if you were on a desert it? island, you would take Parenthood as well. Yeah, I'd be on the other side watching my movie. <laughs> That's what I, I want to ask too. Is how it's, it's great having two people in at once, especially two people who are a couple or I whatever honestly, the fuck you want to get <laughs> word. I don't know how we're living in sin. We're shacking up. Yeah, you know? shacking up. Um, I honestly don't know if I would take them to a desert island because honestly, it it is such an emotional film. And if I was on a desert island, I might not want all that emotion. Mm. Um, but it's Bruce Almighty's your desert island pick too. Uh, no, because I I really. really <laughs> well, if you're stuck there together, it might be Bruce Almighty is why they're not yet married. <laughs> uh, no, I um honestly on a desert island, I don't know. Maybe Castaway. I don't know. I I yeah, honestly wow. I don't That'd know. Be meta. Or or yeah, right um, exactly. Or. Pirates of the Caribbean, or I, I, okay. I don't know. Will don't there know. be rum? Be different. Yeah, if there's rum, then Pirates. Yeah, of we the just Caribbean. talked to a guy yesterday about Jaws. Jaws is his favorite film, and he said it would be his desert island film. I'm like, that's the last shit I want to see if I'm on oh, an island. I don't know. Exactly. Waters. I, mean, I, I said the Castaway thing too. I'm like, man, I'd pick Castaway and use that shit as a tutorial to get out of there. You know? Exactly. <laughs> if I if I was on a desert island, I'd want some eye candy too. Actually, you know? you, it's got to be a beautiful man in it. And Parenthood doesn't have that. You make a good Steve point, Martin. Jay. I, I might Silver have to Fox. research. Yeah, I might hey? have to. I might have to research if there's a film out there about making a boat and getting off an island. Like actually, the actual <laughs> how to it's, build like a how that'd be my desert island movie, a documentary about how to Gilligan's make a island. boat. <laughs> it's yes. Gilligan's Island. Yes, right. the professor island. is the man. Yeah. So, why do you think Parenthood is so emotional for you? Because a lot of people will watch it. I watched it and really appreciated it, but it's not. I don't think it made me cry, but I, I know oh. points that would. But I'm saying for you, it seems to really hit that tuning fork. What do you think it is about this movie versus all the others? Is there some? Can you relate from a dysfunctional family point of view, or how you and your siblings get along? If you have any, is that oh right, crazy? Like? Crazy dysfunction in our family. Crazy dysfunction. Tito James? No way. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, my my parents got divorced when I was very young, and my mom. Um, remarried not legally four times to some really really horrible men um and we moved um by the time i was 18 i had had 27 different mailing addresses we moved all the time and so i didn't have any stability in my life i only had my mom and my older brother that was it and everything else changed all the time um there was in our family there was drug use, there were people in and out of jail, there were child molesters, there were, you know, horrible, horrible dysfunction. And yet we'd get together at Thanksgiving. And we all acted like we loved each other. And I guess we did. But um, and so when I watched the movie, I don't have those specific characters in my family, but they're all placeholders (laughs) for people that I have. 
and watching them relate to one another and still really love each other. And it's quite obvious that they do really love each other in almost every scene. Yeah. And that, that scene when, um, when Keanu gets in the car accident and his girlfriend is freaking out and, oh my God, I can't deal, I can't deal. And the mom grabs her and says, this is marriage. Mm-hmm. That right yeah. there gets me every time. Every time it's like the waterworks. I just, <laughs> this yep. is it. This is it. You love someone to the point that anything that happens to them also happens to you. Mm. And if you're not, not that in, <laughs> if you're not that invested in it, you're not doing it right. Right. It, it's it's unconditional love with your whole self every moment of every day, no matter how fucked up people are. And and yeah, it's just the most powerful film to me. And and I also think the comedy is fabulous. Yes. A lot of great zingers and shit. There's such amazing funny lines that you know. Oh, he likes to butt things with his head. And Steve Martin goes, how proud you must be. I bust out laughing every time. And I've seen it 40 times. That is a perfect line. It's just so much of about, like, everyone's coming from the same place of wanting the best for their kids or whatever. But it speaks to parenting styles like Rick Moranis and his, (laughs) the way he's molding this poor, unfortunate child to be the super person, you know? Like, uh, I wonder, you both have kids who are older now yep. probably what late teens early 20s or something maybe uh they're all grown yeah the youngest mine are born 19. in 95 and 97 so right and you are both much different people when you raise them than you are now we spoke in our previous conversation doug how you were much more <laughs> conservative and just unhappy yeah. in general and everything do you guys ever think about what you would raise a child like now together like if you like if it was the, so one ended up on your doorstep or you pre-raised a child, I would be the bug of Vita. I was actually not in a good place in my marriage and my kids either. And I was a shitty mom and I have yeah, apologized to them repeatedly that, you know, I'm sorry, but I did the best I could with yeah. what I had. I was just so emotionally threadbare that I didn't have enough to give to my kids and, and in apologizing to them, um, sincerely, they have both accepted that. And I think we are good friends now. Yep. Um, but they, both of my kids have some pretty serious emotional issues because of things that I did early on. I'm sure your upbringing, you know, had a lot of part of the free will thing again, it probably a lot of who you were. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I dealt with my stress by practicing avoidance and um, I wasn't I there for love them. avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's my, <laughs> exactly. You know, which is probably why that scene where she grabs her and says, this is marriage is, mm-hmm. is so poignant to me because I would have been the kid running, you know, I can't yeah. deal. I can't deal. I'm, I, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, and that's what her ex-husband Running away does feel where like another yeah. kid. He obviously ran out on the family. Yep. And then there's that scene near the end, that Heartbreaker. Uh, this might be a moment where you cry, where Joaquin Phoenix calls the dad and wants to go stay with him. And you yes. don't hear the other end of the phone, but you know what is said. And he hangs up, heartbroken, essentially, that the dad rejected him because the dad's just avoiding that responsibility. He wants to 
pretend like it doesn't exist or something, you know? And then he goes Absolutely. in, of course, and trashes this dentist office, which is great. Yep. Absolutely. his hammer with his initials on it behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was... Whirly shit. And, you know, my, my folks, my Tito James and my mom got divorced <laughs> when I was two. And I barely knew him until I was 18. And um, for my graduation from high school, he sent me a plane ticket to go visit him in the Philippines. Um, and it's the first time in my life I actually talked to him like a human being. We were both adults. And I went, wow, he's he's a really complex character. Did he's he leave because your mom was so hard to manage? Or do you think part of well, her being so flighty and... Uh, I don't know what word you would use. Nomadic. Yeah, nomadic. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, it was a it was a match made in hell to begin with. He was bisexual and was marrying women. He's had Should've four. Went to or Thailand, five. not the Philippines. He's <laughs> had he's had four or five wives Hello. in his life, and every one was a a way to try and make himself more respectable mm-hmm. in the world. I know I'm not gay. I have a wife kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, beards, the beard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, my mom found out about it, couldn't handle it and basically lost her mind and took us away. Um, yeah. So it was just, yeah. Dysfunction at all levels. Nobody in my family's ever been honest with <clears throat> one another. Parenthood ends like, humans. on a kind of healthier note where everyone's kind of arced and learned a little bit. So yeah. I imagine that's mm-hmm. part of why you love it. It makes you it's feel appeal. good because yeah. it's almost a fantasy like in that respect. That, yeah, it puts oh, a nice little bow in it, you know. Oh, yeah. and, oh, and at the end, there's all the new babies being born. And it's, yes. just, it's hope that maybe they're finally going to get it right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, generally, it does seem generally it it is true that we're improving as a civilization when it comes to upbringing children and stuff like it's nowadays yeah. beating your kids is frowned on upon much more and things like that abuse in general um you know i it, think it comes it, around. i'm hopeful i'm hopeful yeah. somewhat i mean when you especially when you go way back to dark ages to the <laughs> to today or ancient times to today you know generally it may be incremental and we may make a lot of steps backward but it does seem somewhat hopeful yeah. that We'll keep moving forward in that direction. Well, it's the whole three steps forward, two steps back. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. we it's it's all about trend lines. We are getting better as a whole over time, but we had these moments where things just yes. go off the rails, world wars, and things. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I I think the whole helicopter parenting is absolutely a step backwards. An overcorrection. Um, yeah. Hey man, yeah, I got a seven year old son, and I got to admit <laughs> that is fucking hard though because we <laughs> grew up wild and are so much better yes. for it and we yeah. faced hard things and we had to overcome them and we dealt with tragedy and fucking we lived like we were the only white kids in our neighborhood um oxen hill maryland right outside dc in the beltway mm-hmm. um our dad was this crazy motherfucker called butch thornton who sold he was like a mechanic and sold all the tools of his trade and traded his work van in for a motorcycle. And he would just like a honky tonk outlaw type. And they got married or had kids way too young. Like our mom got pregnant with Chris at 16. Wow. Um, wow. He was an eighth grade dropout, I think. Wow. You know, so he took off. And I feel like we're better for it. Like if he had stuck around, 
Yeah. I wouldn't be as good a dad as I am or everything. But what I was really getting at is the helicopter parenting thing. Like, it's so hard with my kid. I, I want to let him run in the woods like we did. But then my mind immediately goes to Paradise Lost in the West Memphis <laughs> 3 or whatever. And somebody's going to fucking butcher him in the woods. And yeah. it's so hard to reconcile giving your kid that freedom to go out and make mistakes and get in a little trouble and everything versus yep. wanting to protect I, them. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I was way too protective of my kids when I was there. And then in between that, I neglected them entirely, which left them Bad without combo. any, no coping skills whatsoever. I think Doug has done a much better job with his kids of teaching them how to cope. His, his kids are probably both quite a bit more mature than mine are. Were your kids planned? Or what, you know, the, were you prepared? Or did any? you want so, to be, a, or is that, a, is so, that something you don't want to publicly so, air? My kids, my wife was like, I want to have a kid in August. Get to the workbench. August 12th. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so, yes. so, yeah, my, my, my daughter was born on June 13th, which was absolutely planned. And then, my son was born on August 23rd, which was absolutely planned. Crazy. I mean, Doug's scary fertile. <laughs> which is why as soon as my son was six months old, I went and saw Dr. Ferber, who has very warm hands. <laughs> Man, we might need to get him on the podcast. Uh, honestly, I've been trying to find a urologist to come on the podcast and give me a pro bono vasectomy. Because even out, with my health insurance, like six hundred bucks out of pocket. Oh, it was yeah. great. No, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, both of ours are planned without a doubt. Kelly is very <laughs> the mother of my children is an absolutely wonderful woman. I I love her to death. But yeah, she wanted to a. have. Yeah, she wanted to have a kid, and then she wanted to have another kid, and she did want to know the sex of the second one, of the son. I'm like. No, we got to find out why. Because if you think it's going to be a girl and it comes out a boy, it's going to be bad, really, really bad. Mm -hmm. So I made her find out the sex of, of our second kid because I knew how hard it would be if it came out different than what was in her brain. Right. And her brain was girl. So glad I did that. But yeah, she it's just time to prepare. You know, I wasn't a good dad. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in my depression and, um, avoidance maybe then it was because kelly was a good mom kelly was a yeah. phenomenal mom absolutely yeah, yeah that, she kelly is the amount of work that kelly did to make sure our kids grew up well and healthy and safe is absolutely phenomenal um i can't yeah well i yeah. mean hey if you're gonna she, plan she had to make up for my right you know yeah. she had to make up for yeah. my deficit because i was just so withdrawn and depressed in the muck. yeah and I, on the other hand, was married to a stay-at-home dad who was incredibly depressed all the time and took it out by watching online porn probably 20 hours a day Oof. Um, and wouldn't do any housework and wouldn't, you know, he's, he's a stay-at-home dad and he wouldn't take the kids to the museum or take them out in the backyard and play ball with them or anything. Um, he just ignored them completely um, for the oh, most part. Sad. And yeah. So then I would come home exhausted from work and I was too tired to care for them and I would resent them and, you know, tuck them in bed angrily, like, God damn it, why do you need everything from me? 
So it was it was a rough time, but I did the best that I knew how. And like I said, I've I've apologized. We've talked it out. We've cried a lot. Um, and I think we're friends now. I think we get along now. And they come to me when they have questions and issues and stuff. But it was, and I, and I think it was that's rough. the appeal of parenthood. Um, the movie you know, or the the movie right. the movie going back going back uh, to the the movie. Um, you know it's. It's it's kind of i idealistic is, but but that's what movies hopeful, do for us. Like she said, it's very hopeful. but but that's what yeah. movies do for us, right? Yeah, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld once said um, that a show or a movie is often just a place. If it's a good place, you want to be, you know, yeah. and it's inviting. You know, and that that has that quality to me. I mean, that's why you know if I'm in a bad head place, I watch Bruce Almighty or Dodgeball or Pick a Destiny. You know, those those are my movies. Ah, yes. That's when, I, when when I'm in a bad place here and I can't get centered again, mm-hmm. it's one of those three movies. Mm-hmm. Those movies are Kinda just grounding. Such a completely there's such a disconnect from everything more, else. More just silly. Yeah. Silliness. Yeah. That it lets me completely unplug from anything. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you know the movie Parenthood is. It's just a um it lets you disconnect and it lets you look at this idealized view of, I mean, who want, wouldn't want Steve Martin for a dad? Oh my God. I want Steve Martin for a dad. Okay. I mean, but my parents are dead. Why? I either want Steve Martin or I want Will and Anna Wheaton. Bill Murray. No, Bill Murray is a whole different level. Bill Murray's a dad. <laughs> Bill Murray's a whole Uncle. nother podcast here. Cause, yeah, right. Totally. I mean, legend, talk about legend. I have Bill Murray tattooed on my calf. Yeah. Oh really? shit! Yeah, from a particular like role or just um, I, let me let me look. I have a shirt that see it. Oh okay. So I have this. I have this. That's the tattoo. Nice. I have this on my calf. Yep. What is it? Yes. Penny bombs or something? No, um, so. Yeah. No, so that 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 that's how oh, much shit. I like Bill Murray. <laughs> okay. I have like that's what's him. I have like fifteen Bill Murray T-shirts. Love it. I mean, Bill Murray I, is the. I mean, look at the way he gets hired for movies. You call his 800 number. Yes. No agent yeah. or whatever. Just you know, voicemail. I mean, yeah. No offense to our manager, Sydney. Love yeah. you, dude. He's uh, this, our agent, Max, whatever. He's that, this, that is a dream. 800 number. Have you watched any of the, the movie about him? God, what was that movie you just watched? A documentary about how he just shows no. up at random places and like tens of yeah, bars. Well, well, I, I was going to say that and, that's famous that he does that. He like crashes yeah. weddings and things. But uh, and, what my favorite one is someone said they were eating like outdoors at a restaurant in new york or something and he just strolled by and reached in and grabbed a fry off yep. their plate and ate yep. it and said no one will believe you and just walked away <laughs> <laughs> fucking legend Go ahead, the, the documentary but yeah i mean just yeah. bill murray is this, this agent of chaos he's loki yes. of our times yes. you know he's if you look at Greek mythology, you got, with all these gods, you know. It's like yes. mischief, yes. though. It's like a harmless. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yes. he's he's Loki. He's he's, he's the he's an absolute agent of chaos, and that's why I love him so much. And that's why you know movies like um, God Lost in Translation or yes. um, Mad Rushmore. Him Rushmore, yeah. I mean, he's done these amazing, iconic roles over time, and so many of these are just like. Well, if he, well, you know, everybody's seen um, Zombieland. You yeah, know, mm-hmm. he's a zombie, yes. and he gets I, killed, and then he shows up in the next one. 
You know, it's just. <laughs> I but, even really like broken flowers. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to mention oh, that great. Jim Jarmusch's broken flowers, like yeah. these little understated roles that he took later in his career. Because early on, it was like Caddyshack. And, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there right. was Where the Buffalo Roam, where he played Hunter yeah. Thompson. Right. Um, but, you know, that's Razor's what... Edge. There were some different ones in there, but. For the most part, it was kind of he was known as goofy, but like Scrooge, Ghostbusters, like some of these, yeah. you know, bigger like temple sort of movies saw. and stuff. What? what was the one we just saw? Oh, the newest one that Sofia Coppola did. Old. Oh yeah, yeah, shit. I mean, it's like recent, like within the last Very month new. that came out. Yeah, it just yeah. came out this year. Wait, okay. You know, I mean, that's that's what movies do to us. I mean, that's why I've always been a movie fan. You you watch a movie and you you plug in and you watch a movie and. You check out. That's why I love musicals so much. On the Rocks. On the Rocks. On the Rocks. Yes. That's it. God is a great movie. Oh, that so to the good. List. Shit. But you know, I mean, that's that's what movies do for us, right? They they give us this escape. hour and a half, two and a half hours, where we just completely escape from our life and our and our dreams and our hopes, and we just plug into some other, hopefully, some other character that's in this film that we can attach to, or maybe just the general story that we apply apply ourselves to. Um, or but, sometimes we just hate them. Mm-hmm. There are that, a few there's a power in that hate. too. No, I'm mean characters. Some oh, of the characters, yeah. Some yeah. of the times you, you the hate so. a movie because yeah. you hate the character. Well, well Cactus Jack's going to have that effect on a lot of people. <laughs> I can't yes. wait. I'm really looking forward to Cactus Jack. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know people. Man, it's. <laughs> but don't never watch my movie. What movie did you make? Um, I made a movie called. Um, it's a feature film. Yeah. Oh, oh you could you could rent that on Netflix for a while. It was called the, the Legend Trip. Don't don't rent Legend. it. Mark Mark Metcalf. <laughs> oh, come on, you know we got to do nice. it. Nice, we got to get Mark Metcalf. On Mark here, Metcalf. Oh so, yeah, okay, yeah. We so he comes to set right. So we're at uh, who's uh, we're at uh, Jason's brother's house to shoot these the scenes that night, and uh, and so I got to I got to back up just a hair. So the reason I got in involved with these guys making a movie is because i was always the guy who was showing up like 24 hours early to see the movies first at west town in mm-hmm. waukesha my longest movie line was 23 hours crazy what movie uh that was the second of the new trilogy of star wars mm. which i feel bad about but you know i did it anyhow <laughs> But that movie comes up in every fucking podcast we do. So <laughs> it really does. It's but that's it's how like I met these guys. The, the guys doing the movie, I met them standing in line Superman. for these movies or year after year after year. So so we're we're getting ready to shoot this year, and I'm like, Mark Metcalf, I'm like, oh wow, this is you know, this is like a guy. He's on Buffy. Maestro from Seinfeld. Yeah, you know, I'm like, this is like a guy. He shows up and you know he was always doing the, I don't know how long you've been in Milwaukee, but he was doing a lot of these shows at uh was it one oh three? Mm. There was a uh, rock morning show he did in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, sorry, sorry, I said it more than two syllables. Milwaukee, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and he came and he had a box of swag for us. It was T-shirts and CDs from a band called Rictus Grin. <laughs> it was yeah, like nice, and that's one of my highest <laughs> watched videos on YouTube. Is this video of Rictus Grin from the Eagles Club, which we had to ourselves to film part of the scene which never made it into the yes. movie so here's what we did we shot about your movie well what's anyway. the log line of this movie what's the premise um uh who's with the axe the the woman with the axe that killed all the people <laughs> lizzie borden lizzie, lizzie borden, borden. Uh, it's kind of a lizzie borden-esque thing um 
But yeah, so Mark was on set. He brought all the swag, and it was Bad just awesome. Horror movie, great Bad guy. <laughs> no, here's the thing. It's not a. It's a good B horror film, but the sound we had I'm just no idea. At Brett's face as you say this. We had crazy. no idea what we were doing as far as sound goes. I've I've tried to watch it twice. And if you've I make made movies, twelve minutes. If, in, if the sound isn't good, it, it doesn't matter. You're absolutely right about sound mm-hmm. quality. So yeah, if huge. we could. I really think if we could go back and we could ADR the entire movie, it could go someplace. Had a really good soundtrack. Well, the soundtrack's guy from named Lee Phillips, who like worked on like Spider Man. Crazy. And Jason, the guy who directed Jason Satterfield's from Milwaukee, who directed it. Did he direct that New Day movie for Michael Gaw? Like Satterfield sounds familiar. Well, he did a lot of work with, ah, uh, what's the guy from Kenosha who does all the gay porn, not gay porn, gay, <laughs> gay centric. Like he did like a gay version of um, Fatal Attraction. Mm. Uh, Jason, oh, what's his name? God, I can't think awesome. But he, he's down to Racine. He does all the like, he does like B horror films of like. Regular I know films. I know people who have worked with that Satterfield dude and some shit. But, but yeah, Jason's a great director. God, he, he's got an eye. And his ability to edit is phenomenal. But yeah, we just, our sound was, you know, we're doing a two scene, right? So we're shooting this guy, and we're shooting this guy, right? And it's like, the sound is like, mm. it's you like playing a lot of that up in post, yeah. man. You got to find he, a good sound. He editor. tried, he tried, and he tried. Mm. So we were going to do a second film. Or ADR, maybe. Yeah, yeah the whole thing yeah. needs to be ADR. Just take it's all the hard to sync to their lips. Yeah. Like that. It's, it gets iffy. Here's yep. what you do. ADR, dub it in another language. So and just make it look like this is there you a, go. There you <laughs> yes. a Spanish oh, version you of go. your movie. There you yes. go. And then we were going to subtitle do a, it. That's yeah. great. So we were to do a second movie. Um, we actually bought a really good script. Like Swahili or something. Go ahead. I was really happy with the script for the second film. We actually did auditions. So when you were doing the auditions, Jesus. Um, I wore a suit and I'm sitting in the back. I was like playing the part. It's the producer. The Remember the Wisconsin Lottery movie? Girl, Lori Minetti? No. Ah, her sister came in because she has a twin sister and she auditioned. Remember the guys from, uh, was that American Horror Film yeah. from Milwaukee? Those guys? American movie? Or American, American movie, movie, yeah. Uh, Mark yeah, with the, with the yes. Coven. Yeah. Yes. So one, the guy with the curly hair came in to audition and he did one sentence in Mike. one breath and like it took like yeah. four So the, awesome. all these people came in to audition. It was really cool. Got yeah. a great script, shot a bunch of really good stuff. And then um, the special effects company we hired to do all the special effects, um, they stole all her money. What? <laughs> what was the name of the company? Was it a local? Uh, Lightning Rod Studios. <clears throat> mm, interesting. Yeah, I think they're out of business now. But the guy who ran it was a lawyer. So he's like, if you come after us, we're going to sue you for everything we have. Oh, like, we don't have anything. So for a brief period of time, I was a movie studio executive called Lightning <laughs> Ride, Lightning, uh, Stone Light Films. Do you still have any aspirations to make films? Uh, yes. I just, I love the industry. I love the idea of giving people that escape. I'm on IMDb as the uh, Supreme Overlord because they asked me, what do you want to be yeah, in? I just Googling on IMDb. Supreme <laughs> Overlord. My, my figures show up in the film. All you see is my hand like on a girl's shoulder. <laughs> yeah. So we're shooting this film. And we're in Waukesha. We're going to go shoot some stuff at uh, Carroll College down the street. And these people drop off their daughter. 
And Jordan's like this 18-year-old Irish dancer, just amazingly gorgeous girl. And her parents just like drop her off like a stranger's house. To be in your film. Yeah, I'm like. To be in your snuff film. (laughs) (laughs) And then she died. But yeah, I mean, I've I've always been such a movie nut. Um, We We have a CD copy of it, don't we? The legend. Ah, I sent it to somebody. I bought it oh. because so we went to Jason's place and we recorded a um the commentary track. Yes. And then without telling us, he scrapped it, re-recorded it, and released the DVD. So you're not on the commentary. I'm not right? on the commentary. Speaking of commentary, Jay and I watched Bruce Almighty last night and recorded our conversation as we watched it. Nice. Awesome. And we I'd paused it for that. like an hour. And talked about all kinds of crazy shit that I don't even know if I'm comfortable airing. <laughs> no, I'd love Not, to hear that. Nothing incriminating, really, but just deep stuff, you know, sort of confessional stuff. And but that, um, I mean, it, but it would be a trip to someday. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's about. Or get your reaction yeah. to it. My comfort is. zone dictates we do not release that now that I'm sober. Yes. <laughs> well, then you should just send it Our to free me. Our will. We'll listen to it. <laughs> we have no free will. We can't give it Wait, to you. Sorry. You have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what, you know, I think that's why I've always been into movies and television and stuff. It's just, it's, it's an escape. It's a disconnect. It's a, you know, so he, here's, you know, Think about our previous podcast is um, I love shows like um, you know Eli Stone. I haven't watched it. So Eli Stone, it's about a guy who starts to hear things, music in his brain, and he becomes like a prophet. Or um, uh, Saving Grace with Holly, Holly Hunter. I haven't watched. I don't an watch an shit. Angel, Wild or the Good Place. Or the Good Place. My wife watched it. Maybe um, you should add the movie review podcast. I know. Stop. You <laughs> but you know, <laughs> see it all or um, J- Joan of Arcadia. He, Once again, he really, he really gets into all these stories <laughs> that are my, so or um, God, God friended me. Yes, yes, them. I see so, that theme between them. So yeah. many of the shows I really like and I really feel drawn to and attached to are these shows where people are are cued into something and they're trying to do something larger than themselves to change the world you know and so many of them are, are through you know a god or, or or some kind of holy figure a deity mm-hmm. but all these shows are my favorite shows are all based in this something which i have no attachment to or no belief in <laughs> but those are the shows that draw me in the most which i've already well heard. did you ever watch carnival on hbo Oh my god! And it quit after two seasons. I know. But like those moments where he would heal someone, like that scene where he heals the girl, I think it was, in like a little pond or something, and all the fish die because he like sucked their life force. All those healing moments, those Christ healing moments, man, brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, there's something so powerful and beautiful about healing, and just that kind of altruism and selflessness or whatever. That religion appeals to me on many levels, and you know, but I just can't buy it. Sorry, I hundred <laughs> believe in faith healing. Really, I have no or just doubt. The psychosomatic. Yeah, yeah, I have no yeah. doubt that sure. faith healing happens. No, right. zero. It happens all the time. I mean, not limbs growing back, of course, but things that can be <laughs> psychosomatic. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
even the healing rate, like in voodoo or whatever, that I believe this is a thing where they break the chicken's leg because it grows, it heals faster than the humans. And they say yours will heal at the same speed and it seems to work. It's just probably the mind over matter sort of. Uh, I think a lot of phenomenon. it is just setting the mind at ease so that there's yeah. less stress and less cortisol and less inflammation and the body yeah. can focus on healing and shit, you know? It's well, just. From my background in ToxPath, um, yeah, yeah, let's hear from you on this. I, I learned, <laughs> I learned right. 25 years ago that the placebo effect is getting stronger. Mm. Um, be, whether it's society or, or personal beliefs or religion or what, the placebo. It could even be a natural selection. It could. Uh, you know, that it could. It's working because it's working and it actually yep. does make yep. people survive things. Yeah. But in, in veterinary medicine for hundreds of years, veterinarians were almost showmen and you know you'd go out with mm -hmm. a horse who had a limp and you were like well i don't really know what's causing the limp but you know what i'm going to put some potassium permanganate and some other stuff on his hoof and it's going to make this purple smoke that puffs up from the hoof and it's going to look really amazing and then the owner will say you know his limp got better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we just wishful thinking or something yeah else. and they spent money on it so you want to believe it works right. and right. the thrush cleared itself up or whatever. exactly yeah. and and i think in veterinary medicine that was harnessed in a lot of ways and mm. and i even see it now i hate to say this but i think there are some pet owners that you tell them that their animal is terminal and it's going to die and you can't do a goddamn thing about it. And you say, but I can try this one last thing. And mm -hmm. then they get a week of, he's so much better. Thank you so much. I got these last few days with him. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is placebo because yeah. we want to believe. We really, really, really want to believe. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge human nature just an evolutionary biology. Yep, absolutely. Facet, uh, feature of humanity. And and the fact that you know when we introduce a new drug to the market, it has to be significantly better than the placebo. And since the placebo effect is getting stronger and stronger and stronger, mm. it's getting yeah. harder and harder mm. to find so new we'll, drugs that really work. Yeah. So is it like the placebo effect is like exponentially getting, or is it you know? 10% more prevalent or are we talking like a doubling a tripling or something like I don't I don't think it's quite doubled but it's pretty close Damn that's significant It yeah, is very. it is And so that's why you know when when you're dealing with someone who's sick sometimes the laying on the hands, the touching, the the showing them Bruce Almighty the contact, the, you know, yeah, make them laugh, give them right. some soup, and say yeah. this soup is medicinal. My grandma made it, and it mm -hmm. always it's corrected us when we it. were sick. I feel better, yeah. All of those things, Adonis blood. All of those things yeah. help, and you know, we're on here. We're so it lucky. To... In it. <laughs> Adrenochrome soup. Adrenochrome. Uh -huh. Adrenochrome. <laughs> but we 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 want. A pill that'll cure everything when a lot of times you can get so much benefit from human contact and from belief and from, yeah. you know, being there for one another. And that can have a huge impact on health. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I love that we've veered so far off these movies. I, I know. It's just crazy. We're, so, yeah. yeah. We're, no, no, that's we're what not, we do, though. That's we're not that far that's, off, though. I mean, we're really not no, that far off. Exactly. It, well, it I launches you onto these far topics. Off. I, I just we can talk about Howard the Duck now? We should. Give me one second. 
How'd you know my favorite? I don't know how much time we have left, but give me one total veer off of the movies. I made a QAnon joke. You, I know, had gone on Parlor. We've been dying to talk to someone about Parlor on this show. Oh, tell us your Parlor experience. Oh boy. Um, so I went on Parlor because a couple of people on Facebook, hey, we've seen this thread on Parlor. Seen this? I'm like, that can't be real. And I go on Parlor, and I like set up an account. I actually set up a whole new Gmail account for it. Yes. Um, which I can't remember anymore. But uh, I set it up, and I went on Parlor. I'm like, holy shit! And for those who don't know, like our mother-in-law and shit, Parlor is basically another social media platform. I mean, designed by like Cambridge Analytica or whatever, right? Like, uh, it's a conservative think Most tank us, essentially behind it i think but uh it's supposed to be free well, from uh sorry i'm just getting some messages coming through it's mm-hmm. supposed to be free from any kind of oversight or oh, censorship or anything they're but. censoring well they're so they're most of us the same what they what they advertise is that it's a something just happened to my i can't hear you anymore oh you can't um hello they hello advertise they're all about oh, free you speech. unplugged yourself uh Talk to the rescue. Technical difficulties. I got it. I know this. Ready? Let me just slide this in right there. There you are. Hit my spine. (laughs) (laughs) I need a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) But they advertise that they're all about free speech. But I've got several friends who've gone on there and set up accounts and immediately been banned because they were too liberal. Right. Hilarious. Mm. So you know we By all the live, people who run it, or yeah, I guess that's yeah. the only people yeah. bad yeah. So yeah. you know we all live in echo chambers, right? Exactly. Yeah. We all we all try to stay with people we we like. I mean, in this last, I've I have unfriended more people and makes me happy, and unfollowed a bunch of people because of all this shit going on with the election and everything. But imagine that, but like this big, and like hyper intensified that's what parlor is right but this is kind of the thing where all right um, sunlight is the best antiseptic like we shouldn't be censoring on facebook because that's what i'm saying facebook though shouldn't even shut down these QAnon crazy conspiracy bullshit theories or anything we need to the problem though is you drive most people into those caves and then they go into there we're rational over here and we believe the earth is round and when they yeah. vacate, Facebook does become a liberal woke echo chamber. Yes. And then they yes. all go to parlor and that becomes the troll echo chamber or whatever. And somebody told right. me, my buddy who uh, also kind of went incognito there undercover said the most hilarious, ironic thing that uh, retweet or whatever in parlor is called an echo. <laughs> like, like, how do you not how see what you're doing? Aware or I mean, that's intentionally that's a, ironic. That's a problem with what's going on right now, though. We're since Trump, we have been pushing that side that way and this side that way more and more and more. And the stuff in the middle is becoming so small. I mean, it used to be kind of like a Venn diagram where there were two circles, then there was an intersect, and you know, but now it looks like a freaking dumbbell. We got a ball over there, and you got a ball Mm -hmm. over there, and you got this thin line between them. And yeah, I mean, rational humanists exist. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, the stuff I've seen in our parlor. I mean, I've I've seen people threatening to kill people and go and kill politicians. And yeah, there was that one that somebody posted where a guy is like, 
if every one of us kill two liberals, they won't I even posted be able that. To, yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, fucking frightening. This is terrifying. I'm not a liberal, by the way, just so they don't kill. And this is. <laughs> I'm not and this target. is what Trump is going for. He knows he lost. He's not going for a win. He's going for making sure his people believe he won. But now we've really digressed from. Oh, yeah, big time. Big well, that's, again, what movies are for, though. <laughs> they get us talking about the world. Yeah. And, you know. We can talk about the movie Dave. Okay. Where the president dies. With the Kevin Klein one? or Yeah. Where the yeah. president dies and a new guy takes his place. The yeah. lookalike. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Mentorian candidates? Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of great political comedies and satires, you know. Wag the dog. Primary wag the colors, dog. wag the dog. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Primary colors is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wag the dog it was a Travolta as, as Clinton, right? It's yeah, basically. basically. I think Esther Hoster wrote that one, maybe. Yeah. Or was that Wag the Dog? I forget. Anyway. Fuck. I don't know how much time we have left here. That's why we don't mind digressing away from the movies. Cause it's Not like, at all. What more is there to say about Parenthood? I don't know. You know. What more is there to say about Bruce Almighty? Well, here's a good question for both of you. If you somehow got imbued with the powers of God, what would you start to mm-hmm. think about first? Well, that's a hard question. I, I That promotion at the office? Doug knows his answer because he's thought about it watching Bruce Almighty 400 times. I personally would try harder to um, minimize hate in people's minds. I mean, I would I would take away a lot of the petty hate if I had that power, and make people see the similarities, not the not the. You remove their free will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually, go. well, you, you know, go. God can do that. So yes, right. Yeah. Maybe you could yeah. trick people like right? every time you look that. at someone. <laughs> For the first second or two, you look at someone, they have your face or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some yeah. way to force everyone to realize, oh, wait, that's just me yeah, if I, with yeah. different parents so, and different inputs. So do you know the word sonder? Sonder. It's it's an invented word that the internet came up with. No. Um, there's, I don't know who started it, but there's some group of words that they put together and said these words don't exist, but they should. Hmm. And Sonder is defined as seeing other people as whole human beings, different or separate from you, but similar. So it's knowing they have the, entire different stories. The dis- right. the the example is you know when you're walking down the street at night and you look into someone's living room window and you see them in there watching TV or doing whatever they're doing. And in that moment, Mm. you are acutely aware of the fact that they are whole human beings with lives of their own and sufferings and joys and problems unique from yours, but similar that that's That's beautiful Sonder. And that's what I would do if I had almighty power, I would try and make people feel that. Well, since we all exist in Doug's head anyway. <laughs> what would you do, Doug? Um, boy, for me, that probably the biggest change in my entire life has been understanding ego and how ego works yeah, within my life. Much. And about if I could do anything, if I had that power, because I've actually posted this several, several times. Um, if I could put you inside my brain for like five minutes to understand how I view the world. 
you know, I've, I've done that a lot because there are these times I just, get, I'm just sitting there and I just get overwhelmed with this feeling of gratitude for the entire existence of the universe. And I just cry, you know, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit that. And, <laughs> <laughs> but if I could get everyone to be a pussy. Yeah, I know. I've said the same thing. I was like, like why are we, why is that a derogatory word? If everyone was like, a pussy, the world would be awesome. For like you know? a lot more scissoring, but if, <laughs> you know, just if I could get people to understand the ego and how the how the ego is really what the problem is within the world, how we need to put the ego away and understand that it's not it's okay to feel bad, it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to be wrong. You know, it's yeah. it's okay. I don't learn anything unless I make mistakes. And right. it's absolutely you know, okay to feel less than. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a freedom in, in accepting that you're insignificant, you know, <laughs> you yeah. can just, I am the, that you're not the biggest, <laughs> most important thing. And what was that, uh, Doug? I missed that. Oh, no. I'm, I, I'm completely insignificant. And yeah. I understand that. And I know totally. that. I embrace that too. Yeah. yeah there's that, that <sighs> as everyone else does. About me. Yeah. There's this thing in the fight game. Um, I don't know if he coined it or not, but that Conor McGregor fighter, he lost a fight. He's so cocky and braggadocious or whatever, you know, going into these fights. But he lost one, and he said, win or learn. And I say that to my kid. It's not win or lose. Yep. It's win or yep. learn. You got to just redefine oh, like what that. losing yeah. is. It's an opportunity to reassess, to grow, to change, you know, to evolve. We, yeah, we look at everything so competitively. Um, we punish ourselves for not being winners and shit. It's ridiculous, you know? It's- yeah, because if you never lost, you would never learn. Right. right. The only way to learn is through failure. I mean, look at Elon Musk and what he does with his rockets. I mean, nobody does what he does in development and and progress. He tests things to failure constantly. Right. And Plus, he, he iterates, has the best clamps. He iterates. He iterates. He iterates. On he a CNC machines, the Absolutely. best. <laughs> the best, best <laughs> work holding available on a planet working at SpaceX and Tesla. But no, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You, you, he talks about that if you're not failing, you are not pushing yourself hard enough. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that living outside your comfort zone. I try and instill that in my kid all the time because I mean that is push, that's push. another evolutionary biology feature yeah. of humans just to then e- ego like you said to win to be the best like he loses a video game with Kanda Uno he can't fucking handle it I'm like dude <laughs> how can I beat this out of you metaphorically speaking that this need to be but you need that too like see here's the thing like we talk about attenuating ego because you need a little. A little ego is healthy. A little ego helps you strive and be ambitious and try and do better for yourself. You know. Well, the super ego in the Jungian model is is that that it's the yeah. part of the ego that's constructive and actually allows you to control yourself and things like that too. You know, not that you have free will or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Even there's that actually, could be deterministic, I guess. But yes. there's actually a really good part in the Eckhart. Tolle books where um, he talks about the power of now and about surrendering yourself to your to what's around you and accept it as if you had chosen it because all sadness, all dukkha, all suffering comes from wanting things to be different than they are. And so you just have to accept it and go forward from there. And someone asked him in a lecture one time, how do I balance 
acceptance of what things are with wanting to them to be better. You know, how do I make my life better rather than just mm-hmm. descending into this apathy and everything's fine the way it is. Complacency. Yeah. And, and his response to that, and unfortunately there's no way I can reproduce it right now, but it was, it was brilliant. It was acceptance of what is does not negate a drive to move forward. Mm-hmm. What it does...